You're listening to the Thoroughbred Podcast, an elite business leadership podcast. This is John Wentworth. Welcome to the Thoroughbred Podcast. I am super excited about the name, and I'm also super excited to bring you just some amazingly valuable content that hopefully will inspire, motivate, uh, and just kind of share my story and also open you up to, you know, maybe a change of mindset. I'm a big believer in a change of mindset. I, I really am. I think that for me, I'm always somebody that's self reflecting. I think if you can't self reflect, you can't grow. And I'm also very, very interested in people that uh, operate in humility. Uh, That's super important to me. I don't care about your ego. Uh, People with ego will not be on this show, and they're not in my life. So they're not going to be on this show. Uh, With that said, you know, I... uh, Thoroughbred, right? Why thoroughbred? I know a lot of people listening or or tuning in are thinking, well, he's going to talk about horses the whole time. And I'm not. I will. I'm open to that, of course, because I love horses. I love the horse racing industry because I want to do what people tell me I can't do. So if you tell me I can't win the Derby, I'm going to show you I can. And I'm now telling you, I'm declaring, I will win the... Con- no, I'm not going to be the jockey, but we will win the Kentucky Derby investing a fraction of what everyone else has to invest because that's my commitment. That's my dream. That will happen. So Gary V's buying the New York Jets. I'm winning the flipping Kentucky Derby, guaranteed. So that's my, uh, I didn't plan on saying that, but that's true. That's what I believe in my heart every time. I'm winning the Kentucky Derby and I'm winning the Breeders' Crown. And that's why I love horse racing so much. You know, it's just uh, to be able to to play on that level um, with uh, you know with little old me coming from a single wide trailer. Uh, I think it's pretty awesome. In addition, uh, we're going to talk about what is the definition of thoroughbred. Yes, it's a horse, but there's another definition. The definition is elite or first class person. I never knew that until today. When we started getting into, well, let's look up the definition of a thoroughbred. So yes, it's a horse. The second definition is a, an elite or first-class person. And right away, I think of what it makes a first-class person. It isn't how much money you have. It isn't the car you drive. It's your humility. It's your lack of ego. It's your humbleness. It's your willingness to help and serve others no matter what platform you're on. That's an elite person. I'm ultra blessed to have so many of these elite people in my life. And, uh, and I'm going to bring those people to you. I'm going to share them with you, share their story. You know, everybody has a story. And I think that's the thing about humility. I was just talking to Vanessa McDonald. We were on an appointment together and on the way home. And uh, she was telling me about someone that uh, wasn't treating her great, um, another realtor. And I said, you know, people just lack compassion for other people because their ego gets in the way. It's probably not because they're bad people, but their ego gets in the way. And, and so, you know, well, I don't know. I could go real deep on this. I don't think I will today, but we will get into that another time. Um, look, I'm open to talking about everything except politics and guns. 
I will talk about religion. I'm a huge believer, and I just think it's so important to share that with my audience. You know, I I, I grew up with zero religion in my life. Uh, my, you know, my grandparents would take me once a month or once every couple of months when I was there, but uh, that was it. And so to to have an experience and a relationship with God in my adulthood was just an awesome thing, and it still is to this day. And no, I'm not perfect, but every day I can wake up, humble myself, and try again. And uh, so that's another topic that I'm sure we'll engage at some point. Um, you know, first class people. That's those. Here's a real interesting thing. You know, as I've as I've grown and you know developed this business, and I've been extremely blessed. I've realized that you know I want to help everyone. And so with that said, I kind of came up with this thing. There's only two types of people that I want in my life. Someone that I can have a positive impact on or someone that can have a positive impact on me. And somebody might look at that, the naysayers or the haters might look at that and say, oh, yeah, you want people that have a positive impact on you. Yeah, but I don't want their money. I don't want their shit. I, I want positive people in my life that can help me, that can move me up the ladder to just being a better person, a better husband, a better father, a better friend. That's what that means to me. People that I can have a positive impact on, if you're in my, in my, in my circle and I can't have a positive impact on you, then you know, I, I guess I'm just, I'm probably at some point, I've got to move to somebody else that I can. So that's kind of something that I'm always thinking about now. Um, you know, the, the story for me getting into real estate, people always ask, right? And so I guess this is a great platform to kind of share that. How did you get into real estate? So I grew up, um, you know, humble beginnings. We had a single wide trailer behind Bishop Airport. I had a very, uh, I don't even know how to describe my childhood. Um, people have heard my story and they will just say I'm um, uh, lucky to be alive probably. They would tell you that I've overcome more than anybody they know. Um, and they would tell you that, holy shit, I can't believe it. And you're doing what you're doing still. And so, and that's another story for another time. But, but so just growing up in that environment, my dad worked at GM. Um, and, and, and in my, in my teenage years, I, I was very involved in sports, very competitive at everything I do. Um, and my uncle lived on Lake Fenton. And that always piqued my interest because I had two sides, right? My dad being in GM and my uncle living on Lake Fenton, being an entrepreneur, you know, owning restaurants. And, and I saw those two sides of the spectrum. And I will tell you, I was no good in school. I didn't care about school. I only cared about sports. And I liked girls. And you know, as, as you go through that journey, I started to realize school wasn't for me. So I, you know, I'm a, I'm a proponent of a lot of the things Gary Vee talks about. Um, I, I would hate to see somebody that has zero interest in school go to school because they're so encouraged by their family to do it and they have no interest in it and they take on debt to do it. To me, that's scary. Um, but anyway, I just, uh, you know, I got out of high school and, and, and when I was a senior in high school, I went to the racetrack, the, the uh, harness racetrack. And I said, that's what I'm going to do. And so I did. Uh, within a week, I was cleaning stalls. I'd never been around a horse in my life and I'm out cleaning stalls and horses are kicking me and attacking me and I don't know anything about them. And, uh, but I was very passionate. And, and one thing about me, when I focus on something, nothing gets in my way and, and I will excel at it. 
And that's just, that's not because I'm great. It's because I'm very, very determined. Uh, and I think that's one of the things that I see today people lack so much is just determination and grit and commitment to doing stuff. You know, I always say, like, if I sell a $3 million house today, I'm still going to be at the office tomorrow at 8 o'clock after I drop the kids off at school. And that's, that's that being attached to the process, right? I'm not focused on the outcome. I'm focused on the process. And if I know if I stay true to the process, everything else will take care of itself. You know, part of that process is, is you know, doing the good things, doing the right things over and over and over, but always treating people the best that I can also, I think is ultra important. Um, and so back to, the, back to the story on how I ended up here, you know, I ended up racing horses. I ended up driving horses, training horses. I lived all over. I lived in, um, I mean, shit, I lived in Quebec. I lived in uh, Ottawa. I lived in New Jersey. I lived all over the place. And I really enjoyed racing horses. And I was very successful. We did very good. But I had to leave the state because there was not enough money in the state to make any money. Um, you know, you could bat 500. They use a batting average just like, just like, um, baseball actually. And so you could bat 500, which was extremely great and still hardly make any money. So I had to get out of the state, which took me to Canada and I loved it. I did very well there, you know, had a, had a lot of great, uh, memories. And I will tell you the horse business definitely was, was part of God's plan for me, that journey to go on to self-discover and to bring so much you know, one thing I believe, like I can see right through everybody instantly. And so it makes me a tremendous negotiator. It makes me very good in the moment. Um, hopefully like right now, cause none of the stuff is planned out. Um, I'm just kind of sharing. And so that, that journey in the horse business, you know, living broke. I mean, I lived broke. Uh, I'm talking, you know, zero money. I'm talking stressed because, you know, you didn't know if you were going to eat or be able to pay the rent the next week. And I was okay with that because I was so passionate about what I was doing. Um, but being in Ottawa, you know, drew me away from my family and away from Christian, which is my 18-year-old. I love you, buddy. I hope you're, uh, you'll be on this sucker, I'm sure, soon. But uh, it drew me away from him. And when I was living in Ottawa, I would just lay in bed at night and cry. Like when I first went there, he was, a, you know, he was young. And as I came, I would come back and, and for four months and I'd go back to Ottawa, then come back for four months and go back again. And I just grew sad. I just wanted to be home. And uh, I snapped decision, sell everything, move home. Okay, now what am I going to do? Uh, thankful. I actually had lunch with this guy today, David Jamison, shout out. Um, but, you know, he, uh, he was a big supporter of me in, in racing. And when we moved home, he was a big supporter of that decision too. And he said, look, let's do something else. I said, how about flipping houses? Now, I don't know anything about houses. I sure as hell don't know anything about fixing up a house. I don't even own a screwdriver to this day. So we brought on a third party that was a, uh, you know, a good, a good contractor, good remodeler, so on and so forth. And we started that journey and it ended a few years in because the market tanked. And so now here I am, I've got no money. Um, I'm, I'm renting a place for, I don't know, I think it was $800 a month. I, uh, you know, and I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'll sell real estate. I'm going to get into selling real estate because I see the people that are out there that are, that are doing well. And like I did in racing, like I did in sports, like I did, I know I can outwork them and I can outperform them because I know I can be attached to the process. And I know that I can be diligent in my work ethic. And I know that I can be relentless 
and focused and do it at a higher level. Bring a bring a new marketing concept. I, I always loved marketing, um, and and also do it with the utmost integrity, and that's how I'm here today, essentially. So you know, I get into real estate, and uh, I jumped around a couple times initially because the first place, the first brokerage I went to, I was there about a week, and I said I got to get the hell out of here. Shout out, and uh, and I did, and then I moved to another place, and uh, I ended up in an independent. And uh, I at Tremaine actually, and I enjoyed myself there. I learned a lot there. Um, but I got to a point where I needed to move on. I knew there was much bigger for me, and and really, you know, making that move and then just diving all in was a was a huge thing. But here's where the here's where everything changed. Okay, even while I was selling real estate and selling a couple of houses here and there, I didn't have any money. I mean, I was broke. I was trying to pay rent every time. And at that time in my life, I was drinking too much, flat out. And I went to a hockey tournament up north. And I, I, I just drank way too much at this hockey tournament. And we're going back 15 years. And the next day, you know, I, I'm, I'm back home and I'm hungover. And my girlfriend's there and we're fighting because I'm an idiot. And... On ESPN, this episode comes on, and in this story is it's it's tough to tell without being emotional because you know when you look back on how God affects your life, you know and and allows you to self discover uh, and puts you on a journey, but at the same time is you know when you look back and you see all the attempts that are made to reach out to you, and so I'm watching ESPN. And on ESPN pops up this gentleman named Todd Crandall, who changed my life. And Todd told a story, and it mirrored mine of his childhood. It mirrored it. He was a goalie in hockey. His mother committed suicide. He went on a, he, I mean, he went over, he went way overboard from me. Um, but, you know, shout out, Todd. I love you, brother. Um, you're going to be on here. And, and so, you know, I just broke down. I was bawling. And it was an image of my story. And then, you know, he, he went through recovery and he started doing Ironmans and he founded a, uh, uh, and here's a plug for him, he founded something called Racing for Recovery. And it was in Ohio. And I emailed him. I watched the episode and I'm bawling. And my girlfriend says, why do you cry for them, but you don't cry for me? That was an ongoing thing. I'm, a, I'm an emotional dude, man. You know, I see, I see victory. I see triumph. It makes me emotional. And because of my struggles, you know, and, and, and the things that I've endured. And so I, I know that everybody has that in them. And I knew that I had it in me, but I had to make changes. So I emailed Todd Crandall. And by the way, at this point, I barely even know how to email. You know, I'm still faxing offers. And I emailed Todd Crandall and, you know, never expecting anything in return, right? Well, my phone rings. I wish I had the damn email so I could read it to you because, you know, I, again, that self-reflection thing, I'm a, I'm a drunk. I'm heading towards being alone forever. I'm messed up and I need help and I need to make some changes and I need to do it now. I wish I knew the year. I think this was 2012. And... Uh, he, the phone rings. It's a 419 area code. 
And I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to sell a house. Hello, this is John Wentworth. Hey, it's Todd Crandall. And my, and my jaw dropped. And uh, I drove down the next day, and I never had a drink of alcohol for the next eight years. And that, that, that sobriety, that time frame of sobriety changed my life, obviously. Um, the other thing that, uh, the next thing that happened was because of that, you know, being sober and, and I still had this love for hockey. So I dove all in. I think I played on five different men's leagues because I wanted to try out for the Flint generals. Um, but that's such a secondary story to, um, and I did, I, you know, I, I did. And I, I made the team as a triple backup. I did play in a game though, in the preseason and we won and that was awesome. And, uh, and somehow I was again, mo- emotional. And I, in the locker room, I spoke to 26 18 year olds about not drinking. <laughs> and then they all went to the bar after. Um, but I still actually have one or two of them that reach out to me about that. And so, but the, but the, the main thing that occurred after that was, uh, I met my wife and the first night I met her, she, uh, I, I just told her everything. I just told her everything. I think, I think that, uh, I wanted to scare her off <laughs> And, and she said, that's okay. And, and we just had a connection and she, I think I drank about 16 cappuccinos that night. We were at Redwood Lodge. I'll never forget it. And uh, I was up all night cause I drank 16 cappuccinos and I just met the woman in my dreams, but I was still very skeptical because it, it was very different dating sober. You know, w- the process was different and the outcome was certainly different. And, um, we, uh, you know, we started the date and it grew, grew deeper and deeper. And she, uh, she just changed my life because she, she gave me a love that I've never had in my life. The way that she cared for me, the way that she touched me, the way that she looked at me, I'd never had that before. Um, and I didn't have it from my mother. Right. And so, um, I was very drawn to her, but I was also very afraid um, but I will tell you this, I met her on match.com. There was no photo of her and you know, it was like, God just placed her there. And we went, it was the only date I ever went on. And, and, and the rest is, I guess you say history. And, uh, through that journey, you know, she gave me, I'll, I'll, I'll share a little bit, a little bit more on the story of, of, um, you know, she gave me hope. She gave me strength. She also, um, gave me confidence and she gave me the ability to go out and fail. Like now it was okay if I failed because I knew I had her. And, uh, so I just started going super hard at work. And I, I was, uh, I was at a, uh, the place that I worked and I still didn't have much money. And I said to, I had about eight pending deals. And I said to the, uh, the person that ran the show, I said, I need $5,000. I need to buy, borrow $5,000. Obviously, I've got all these pendings. And so you're just going to take the money back out of the closing. And he said to me, well, I'll give you half because that will keep you working hard. And I said, I don't want half. I don't need half. I need $5,000. And he said, I'll give you half. That'll keep you working hard. And uh, the next day I quit. And 
two days later, I met Jen down at Great Lakes Crossing, you know, and of course I had told her the story and uh, she gives me a hug and she reached out and held my hand and she always does that. She always holds your hand. Inside of the hand was a piece of paper. I opened the paper. It's a check for $5,000. And uh, I paid her back in about five days or 10 days, something like that after those, those deals closed. And, you know, that was kind of the beginning of, of this, incredible journey where, you know, I've been extremely blessed, extremely fortunate in an amazing career. And and one of the things that drives me and motivates me so much right now is giving that opportunity. This is why I'm building this team. And this is why I'm focused on, uh, you know, on building our team and making it um, a brand. It's not just, it's, it's, I mean, I'm so like down the line in that it's to give everyone else a platform to succeed, to have the opportunity to, sh- to, to, uh, enjoy the things that I've enjoyed, you know, and, and, and that's what motivates me. I want everyone in my circle to have all that I have and more. And, and so that's why I'm focused on building this team. And that's why I'm so motivated by, you know, uh, meeting Jake Worthington, um, you know, who was our waiter at D'Eduardo's 26 year old, uh, young man that was not, uh, I, I don't know. He went to college. He quit college and he's working at D'Eduardo's, which is we're going to eat there this weekend. I love it. Um, to bring him in and put him in a position where, you know, he's going to make $100,000 this year. And that's what motivates me to be able to change someone's life like that. But at the same time, you know, I'm, 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 I only want to bring in those first class people. And, and, and Jake represents that, right? And, and lots of other people on our team as well. And I'm very, um, I'm, I'm very reluctant to use the word proud. Um, I talk about this a lot, actually, with, with people. And in, in, uh, I just asked JD from the Freedom Center about this the other day. I said, you know what? Like, how do you, how do you feel about proud? Because, you know, there's times I want to say I'm proud of something, but I, I feel like, gosh, I don't want that, that ego trip. And, and he described it very good. He said, you know, God wants you to be proud. He doesn't want you to be prideful. And, and so I'm very proud of the platform that we have here because it truly sets people. I mean, th- I mean, it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and all you have to do is follow that plan and you're going to be extremely successful. And, uh, and I just love that. And I've got such an amazing support here. Um, you know, Stacy. Stacy was the first person that I hired as an assistant, and uh, I was paying her $200, $200 of cash a week. And I, I remember she said to me one day, we were, at the, we were at our office, and she said, do you think I'll have a job next year? And I said, heck yes, you're going to have a job. I had no clue, but I knew she would have a job. I just didn't know what it lo- would look like. And now here she is, you know, nine years later, still with us in Brooke. Uh, just an amazing person who's been with us, I don't know, seven years. Uh, Tony Strozier, my, my man, uh, Todd Warda, Andy Belson, like just this huge support staff uh, that's been with me a long time that supports me way beyond. I don't even know why, um, but they support me so much. It's just crazy. And, you know, and Andy Belson and, and just everybody here, I can't even name them all. I would need the list, but I love you all. And uh, my goal is your goal. And so, you know, that's how I ended up here. Um, that, that's, uh, you know, my faith journey. So, so moving a little forward into that. And uh, I, uh, I had an opportunity to go to the, the men's retreat at St. John's. 
And I had been asked, and I thought, no, I don't want to do that. I'd never been to church. And then another person asked me, and then another, and there were some influencers in there. And I said, well, this will be good for business. This will be good for business. And boy, I had no clue. I thought I was doing so good, and I had no clue what I was missing. Um, I went to this retreat. I found so much. I mean, I cried the entire time, the entire time. And, you know, I found forgiveness for my mom. I found forgiveness for my dad. I found forgiveness for, you know, the pain that I'd endured and that I held on to for so long. So it released a lot of anger. Um, I found forgiveness, which I didn't realize, you know, that forgiveness doesn't, isn't about one. It's really about two because it affects you and the person you offer the forgiveness to. And so I learned about that and I met the Holy Spirit twice in, on this retreat, and I'm not even going to try to talk about that. All I can tell you is that uh, I, was, I was affected tremendously in an absolute positive way, and that changed so much of my life. It, it, uh, it, it, it didn't make me perfect. It, it taught me to always reflect every day, every night, to be grateful, to be uh, humble, and I already had those qualities, but now it's just heightened them to the max, you know. And and uh, people always, you know, say, "Well, why do you hug everyone so much?" Well, I don't know. Maybe I need it, and maybe they need it. You know, I, I think that everybody has a story. Everybody has pains. Everybody has hurts, and and I think if you live with that in your mind and you live with compassion, you can get so much closer to people, and you can help people on on such a higher level. And I do that without even thinking about it. That's just who I am and what I do. And, uh, you know, so so God has changed my life tremendously. And and then talk about the influencers. You know, when I now am inviting people to this retreat and having such a huge effect and watching their lives, you know, either transform or grow deeper in their faith. Um, and, And it's tough to stay on fire all the time. It's tough. It really is. And it takes that always self reflection. Uh, but the beauty of this forgiveness thing is what happened with my dad. My dad, you know, um, he uh, he lived uh, angry. He lived uh, as an, as you know. He drank a lot because of the pain. I'm sure of my mom's suicide. And when he he became very ill, and he ended up living with us. Uh, he was on a ventilator for two weeks. So when he lived with us, he could barely move. And as he started to get better, and, and, if you've, and if you've seen our vlog at all, I share this a little bit, but as he started to get better, even death wasn't enough because he went back to drinking. One time, we caught him drinking, and I said, Dad, you can't do this. And you're going to the men's retreat this weekend at St. John's. And he said, what? <laughs> and... Uh, I said, yeah, you're, he goes, I'm not going to go. Yeah. Oh yeah. You're all set. It's don't worry. Everything's all lined up. I've got your bags. Everything's good. You're good to go. And I dropped him off and he came out of that retreat, a changed man. And so you're talking about somebody that goes from, you know, spending all of his time at the VFW drinking and very little time with his family and, and, you know, sad, hurting, um, angry, to somebody that now is a lunch liaison at the school, somebody not who now is on the pastoral committee at the church, someone who is now at 
at Christians every hockey game. Someone who now is with us at Christmas that wasn't before. And I'm so proud of him. I'm so proud of him. You know, I, I have a dad now. And, uh, and that's just, it's just, uh, and, and it's just a testimonial to God. And when, you, when you're able to, to, to let your guard down and say, okay, I don't know it all. And I don't need to control everything. And you let God in and you take on and embrace that forgiveness, it changes your life. And, it, and, and I've seen it over and over and over. It is a life changer. So enough about that story. Um, you know, ultimately, I want to thank you guys for, for listening. Um, I want to ask you to uh, you know, uh, stay involved, stay engaged. We're going to bring on a lot of, uh, of first-class people to the Thoroughbred Podcast. And it's really, it's about elite people. It's about elite business. It's about leadership. Uh, it's it's going to be a, a realm of things. And you know me, all positive we're not going to sit in here and talk about the news. We're not going to sit in here and talk about anything but positive stuff. And, and we're going to motivate. We're, we're going to try to move you forward. And I'm just super excited for where this is going to go because, you know, I, I, I've, I've got a story to tell that's way deeper than the little bit you heard today. You know, I, I know that God has left me here and, and brought me to this place to embrace the platform that I have that I've shied away from a lot. And so... I, you know, my, one of my coaches said to me, he said, uh, I said, you know, I, I, I don't want to go too well. I guess I may as well. You know, I said, I've got a story to tell and I'm going to help children. And, and, you know, people, some people heard me speak when I, I don't know, the Holy Spirit led me up on stage at uh, the Whaley's event. Um, and so, you know, I've got a story to tell to help children, to, to, to help children of abuse. And I've always shied away from it because I thought, well, I don't want my grandma to know. And then she passed, bless her soul. And then my next excuse was, well, I don't want the, the brothers and sisters in the family to know. And my, my, one of my coaches, John Sheplack, shout out to John, said, uh, he's a real estate coach, but pretty much just coaches me on life. He said to me, he goes, you're worried about two or three when you can affect two or 3,000 or maybe two or 300,000. And that ran me over. And uh, that was another reminder that I need to get out of my own way and uh, start to share this story. And Gary V, shout out to Gary V, who I don't know, he'll probably never hear this, but I sat with him at dinner in Miami and, uh, you know, I shared a little bit. I'm an open book, you know, and I shared a little bit. And he goes, he said, what the F are you waiting for? And again, that just hit me. And so I'm done waiting. Uh, Here I am, raw. And that's the other thing about this show. I mean, this is not scripted. Um, Sure, we'll have a topic, but we're just going to roll with it, and we're going to have fun with it, but it's going to be real and raw, and it's going to be dynamite. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. I love you all. Thoroughbred Podcast. I love you all. Please subscribe. Thoroughbred Podcast. Peace and hair grease. God bless.